Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklet. I am Kim Singleton, your host. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklet highlights films, television programs, and stage plays featuring African-Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, we will discuss the hit ABC comedy series, Abbott Elementary. Quinta Brunson, a writer, actor, producer, and comedian created this series and she also stars in it. The show did extremely well in the 2022 Emmy Awards. The show won for Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series. Its co-star, Shirley Ralph, won an Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. And the show received a win for Outstanding Casting for a Comedy Series. Today, to help me discuss this amazing ABC series, we have Thelma Ramsey Bryant, who is an educator, as well as a comedian and a writer. Welcome, Thelma. Hello, Kim. Thanks for having me. It's always yeah. a pleasure to be on Consider It Blacklit. And it's always a pleasure to have you. Now, you and I love this show, so I can't wait to get started and talk about all the different aspects of it. But you've been on the show before. But mm -hmm. still, for people who are tuning in for the first time, tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, um, I did have an opportunity to perform uh, as a stand-up comedian. I also dabble a little bit in filmmaking, and I'm also a writer. But my day job, the one that pays the bills, is I am an educator. Um, I started out as a speech-language specialist in the schools and then went on to be an assistant principal, and now I'm the principal of a middle school in the same school district where I was educated. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, this show, Abbott Elementary, is very popular with educators. But tell mm -hmm. us why you think it's resonated with everyone, even outside of education. Why do you think everybody loves it? I think everybody loves it because everybody can see themselves either when they were educated and their personal education experience, or they can see some of the parallels that is happening today in education. Ever since the pandemic, I think people have viewed education differently because um, parents got to see what teachers have to deal with while their kids were home with them. You heard a lot of parents saying, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> and they got to understand all the nuances of um, educating students all day long. So I think that's what has made it so popular is the timing that it started and parents actually having that experience of one, being home with their kids all day and two, trying to navigate educating them um, while we were home for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So uh, many educators say that they can identify so much with this mm -hmm. show. Talk to, talk to us about some of the comparisons you see in the show to your real life experience being an educator. Well, I think the comparisons, some of the comparisons are spot on and some they take, of course, some artistic license. Um, one of the things that does resonate is that um, the teacher's perspectives about the school not having funding, the schools not having money to give them for different things. And it may not necessarily be that the school doesn't have the funding. It's just that um, they don't understand sometimes the nuances that go on behind the scenes to get the funding. 
And when you get money from the government, you have to spend it in certain ways. So where in um, a couple of episodes, the, the lights needed to be fixed and <laughs> Quinta tried to get up on the ladder and fix it herself, um, which was a little bit extreme. But anything that has to be done um, from a physical standpoint in the school, you have to send it out to bid. The bid has to come back. So it's always a process. So when it appears that things aren't getting done, it's not just a matter of you call, like, like at your house, you call, if it's a plumbing issue, you call the plumber, they come and they fix it. So those are the things that um, people don't see behind the scenes that may make it seem like, oh, we can't ever get anything done. It's because it's beyond sometimes your immediate control. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So there's so many funny episodes and moments in the series. Tell us some of your favorite episodes or scenes and tell us why. One of my favorite episodes was this the episode where um, Greg first found out why he didn't get the job <laughs> when, from, uh, from Ava. That was a funny episode. The episode where Janine starts to realize that she and her boyfriend aren't on the same page when he came to the school to uh, do the rap for the students, that was a good episode. Um, and just any any of the scenes where Barbara is giving Janine advice, like motherly sage advice. And Janine is like a sponge. She wants so much of Barbara and Barbara is still trying to hold, <laughs> hold her off like, girl, I don't have time for this. But in, in her own way, she does naturally come around and give it to us. So I can't say that I had any one favorite episode. There were so many. The, the episode where they had the step competition and then uh, uh, Ava came in and, and helped at the end. And then we found out, we saw a little vulnerable scene with Ava too, because we realized that she's taking care of her grandmother. So we got to see her in a different light of actually having uh, a sense of caring for someone other than herself. So you got to see all these nuances of the characters throughout the year. You got to see their backstory. And that's what I liked about it. There was an article in this publication called Well and Good about the character Gregory Eddy, played by Tyler James Williams. And they highlighted that he showed certain aspects of autism spectrum disorder, ASD. As an educator, tell us your thoughts on this. Well, it's funny. I read the article um, and I didn't think about it that way at first. I thought about it as he's just this quirky young man who was very uh, regimented. Um, like routine. But after reading the article, I said, yes, I said he does definitely have some um, some features that would be considered on the, on the autism spectrum. Um, as a, I, I worked in special education, so I work with students who um, um, had autism spectrum disorder, and he definitely fits the characteristics that you see sometimes. The eating the same food every day. There was this whole thing about pizza that he almost sent him over the edge when they were asking him his favorite pizza. And he was like, I do not eat pizza, but he didn't want to tell them. And also his sometimes difficulty having um, conversation in, in, in uh, social exchanges with people. The uh, episode where the young lady was bringing her son to school late every day. And he was scared to confront her about it. He didn't want to have that confrontation. And it was a very simple conversation, like, lady, bring your child to school on time. But he had to work himself up to do that. And then there's also the uh, relationship he has with his dad. 
His dad wants him to get a real job and stop trying to play with kids all day, babysit kids. And he's um, having some struggles with how to navigate that relationship as well. So I can, I can see where, and then the, his, his, his physical self, he, he's very neat. His pants and shirts is always perfect and tucked in. And the only time you saw him out of that was when he found out that he didn't get the job because of Ava and he had his shirt out because Jacob made a comment. <laughs> so it, you know, I can, I can definitely see that he has some features of autism. But one thing I did want to say about that is that it goes to show too that just because you're maybe on a spectrum or you may be a little bit quirky, that doesn't mean that you cannot achieve high things. The fact that he was able to go to college, the fact that he's aspiring to be a principal, what we're starting to see now is more inclusivity of people that may be on a spectrum or may have other uh, physical or cognitive disabilities. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I like, and the article pointed this out is that He's on the spectrum, but they didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't make a big announcement. He's on a spectrum. They just incorporated right. him into the everyday, day-to-day -day operations of the school and people who know, know, you know, they right. know the symptoms and they were able to right. point it out, but it did show that, you know, you can, like you just said, you can have these disabilities, but still have a fully functional, rewarding life. So, uh, you know, I was glad that um, I came across that article. And thank you for your insight on that. Um, one of the breakout characters, of course, is the principal, Ava Coleman, played by Janelle James. Now, she is, she is just hilarious. <laughs> Tell me about what you think about that character. Well, every day I'm in school, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm not having any Ava moments. Let's just start there, being a principal. Um, and people ask me, do you know any principals like that? And I'm like, no, nobody is like Ava. Certainly, we definitely have principals that, you know, function on, on all sides, but no one is as uh, incompetent as she is. And there's some educators, I, I did read a, a blog or an article where um, some felt like she was making a mockery of the education system and, you know, she was, um, her character was just too, too far to the, to, to the, away from the norm of what it is. And my response to that was, um, it's comedy, first of all. And um, although the, the show does show, um, does give us some insight into what actually happens into education, in education. It all, we also have to remember that because they're comedians, because the writers in the room may not all be educators, they're always looking for the hook and the, and the humor in it. Um, as an educator, she misses the mark on everything. <laughs> and I'm often wondering, I'm like, how did you get through school? Like, how did you do this to get to this point? But um she, she is definitely the out of touch educator. Um, but then she has these moments, these moments where she really does try to do the right thing and she really tries to help. Um, I just don't think that, I think that they wanna show her ineptness. And also I think they probably wanna show that there's so many components that make up a school running well. And the core characters, the, the custodian, uh, Barbara, the seasoned teachers, Barbara and uh, Melissa, 
I think they want to show that the strength comes from the staff and not that the, not that the principal is not important because principles matter, <laughs> but not that the principal is not important, but it's the, the whole uh, staff of the school that helps the school run smoothly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Quintus character, Janine, uh, she is the new teacher who is overly optimistic, wants to just do right by the students, um, even to the point where the other staff are looking at her like, okay, that's unrealistic. Do you find this to be a common attitude when new new teachers come into this um, system? You always have that new teacher who who has this sunny look and outlook on everything. They come with this attitude that they're going to change the world. And the seasoned teachers and the teachers who have been through, have been there for the longest, they're like, girl, just slow down, you know, or sir, just slow down. It's not going to happen in the way that you want it to happen. Because again, there's so many moving parts to a school. Um, And the students that you get can run the spectrum. You have students that could be very bright. You can be students that are somewhere in the middle. You can have students that need extra attention. So your best intentions, what you learned in school, it all goes out the window. There is no textbook for for education in terms of, you know, when you go in the class, you're going to have a model class. But yes, you definitely do have some new teachers that come in with that sunny optimism and you hate to bust their bubble. You just say, okay, girl, go ahead, try it. (laughs) And they come back to you and you're like, how did that go? Oh, well, it didn't go so well. Mm. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to kill the enthusiasm, but you almost know where the pitfalls are going to go. But then there's that Barbara that can come in and say, now you should have done it this way or try it like this, who gives them a little strategy or, or some pep talk to help them be able to navigate it better for the next time. So it's good um, that they show that that mentorship is important as well for, for new teachers so that they can um, help navigate some of those, those, those uh, pitfalls that they might get into when they're just starting out. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think in the education system, it's probably good to have a good balance. People with new and fresh ideas who are willing to do stuff. But like you said, the mentors who have been through the fire, who know what the pitfalls are, that can kind of guide them. So hats off to all the teachers, the new ones and the veteran ones. Yeah, because education is not easy. And I think, uh, like I said, many people saw that during the pandemic. I had parents calling like, when is school going to open? You know, they're like, give me a mask, send them back. They were ready for school to open because they realized that it was, it's not an easy job. And I think they, I think it helped give an appreciation for what educators do on a day-to-day basis with 20, 25 kids in a classroom you may have only had your one or two at home and you saw that it was difficult. And um, teachers are doing this every day with 20 and 25 students. So um, I think that I think there was a different appreciation for teachers um, after the pandemic. And now what the country is going through is a teacher shortage. You know, teachers are demanding to be treated as professionals. So um, because so, so, so long, Everybody was like, well, if you can't do this job, just go teach. That was always the go-to like, oh, you can just teach. No, you can't just teach. <laughs> it's yeah. not for everybody. It really isn't. So you, you know, just to think that anybody off the street can come in and teach is, is not true. It, it truly is a profession and you have to, you have to hone your skills. You have to 
you have to continue to get professional development. You have to continue to understand what is going to work for the students. And teachers now are, you know, negotiating their salaries. There's teachers that are leaving districts because districts are paying them 20,000, 30,000 more than they were making sign on bonuses. That was never heard of in education. So I think that that we're starting to see an evolution in people understanding the importance of educators and paying them what they should be paid and paying them what they're worth. Yeah, wow, I agree, I agree. Um, you had mentioned to me that you read an article that talked about how one of the episodes of Abbott Elementary uh, showed charter schools in a negative light. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think about that. Well, you know, as a public school educator and a person who was educated in public schools from the time I was in kindergarten, I can see um, some of the criticisms about charter schools. There's a lot that people don't understand with charter schools. Charter schools are public schools. So that's the first thing. Um, but in the episode they were showing, um, saying that uh, the charter school was taking the best kids and leaving um, the kids that may not have been so desirable in the, the regular public school. And the article was speaking to that, saying that, no, that's not what we do. We don't skim the best kids. Um, charter schools, many of uh, your viewers may or may not know that usually you gain entry to a, into a charter school through a lottery system. And basically they randomly select students from that, charter, from that lottery system. Um, the, the only thing about charter schools that may have not been clearly delineated in the article is that charter schools are not governed. They, although they come through the Department of Education, they're not governed by the Department of Education in the same way that regular public schools are. Yes, they have to take the same test. Yes, they have to show uh, student outcomes and progress but the same kind of uh, monitoring is not done at the charter schools. So, and some, some people may disagree with me, but that's, that, that, is, that is my reality, I should say about the charter schools. And they also have the ability to, if a student is not meeting their stringent um, rules and regulations and their processes, they can ask them to leave. Mm -hmm. So, in that regard, it does it does look like a sorting system or it does look like uh, you, you can pick the best because if you're not able to meet the demands of the charter school, they can tell you, oh, you're not a good fit here. And then where do you go? You go to your neighborhood public school. So it does, in, in that regard, look like, you know, you're cherry picking the kids in that way because the kids that don't cut the, cut the mustard have to end up leaving. Wow. And that has happened. So that is a reality. So is it more of their academic performance or their behavior when they're asked to leave? Um, it's usually more behavior. It's usually more behavior. Um, a lot of times you may have students who may have some special needs and they don't have sometimes all of the personnel that a public school, a traditional public school may have to meet those special needs for students across the uh, special needs spectrum. So they may be able to uh, do some pull-out resource for students, but students who have more severe behavior needs, they may not have the, the, the staff to deal with them. So that's when you see some of those students end up coming back to the public schools. 
Mm -hmm. Wow, that's very interesting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of the other characters. Let's just do a character breakdown. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Melissa, played by Lisa M. Walter, the, the, the person who ha has a guy who knows a guy <laughs> who can get us stuff. <laughs> Tell us your uh, thoughts on that character. Uh, what I like about her is she is she is down for South Philly all the way. She represents South Philly. You can't tell her anything about South Philly. She knows the neighborhood. She's from there. She's proud to be from there. And she has decided to stay in her neighborhood to, or in the neighborhood where the school is to, to work. Um, what people um, don't realize is that a lot of teachers that teach in education don't work in the same place where they're from. So it's a difference. So she has a passion for that neighborhood and that school because that's where she grew up. So it gives a different feel for her. She's hilarious too. Um, she's ready to fight <laughs> in a minute. Yes, she is. She <laughs> take off her earrings <laughs> in a minute. Um, but she, you just see the passion with her. And again, she's funny. She has some one-liners and some quick ones in there too. So her comedic timing is actually very good. And before this, uh, series. I, I didn't know much about her, but she, she was very well casted, very well casted. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the Barbara character um, who's played by Shirley Ralph and she won the um, Emmy for her role. So let's dive into her character a little more. I love Shirley Ralph. I've always loved Shirley Ralph since I saw her on Broadway in Dreamgirls. Um, she is she is the perfect combination of a motherly figure and a mentor at school. Um, she takes no, no prisoners. And, and she too, even though she's not a naturally comedic actress, just her timing too is, is good. And the, the, just the whole ensemble and how they work and play off each other is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so she also has this uh, motherly wisdom about her and a motherly wit about her that comes out. And um, she keeps everybody in line though. <laughs> so she keeps all the characters in line. They're all like her children. And then someday she has no tolerance for any of them. <laughs> so, like sometimes we do. <laughs> so it's funny to see her interplay with all of them. You know, um, I like her, her times with Jacob because Jacob is always trying to have that, uh, that, Black power mo moment where he's interjecting something he read. Oh, Cornell West said, and they're like, mm -mm, "Not now, Jacob." You know, he's because <laughs> he's the white representation. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're not here for his trying to show his blackness. You know, so that that's always funny too. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about um, the maintenance man, Mr. Johnson. He cracks me up. <laughs> People don't understand the power of the maintenance man in the building or the head custodian. They know where all the bones are buried. <laughs> so not only does he have this intricate system that he has the uh, breaker board <laughs> with the songs from uh, Boys to Men <laughs> on it, <laughs> which is his own system. He knows exactly what's going on in the school at all times. He knows uh, what teachers, but he also can um, interject his political views <laughs> of what's going on into, into the school day. 
Mm -hmm. um, his interaction with characters and they, they make him an integral part of the staff, which sometimes people think because it's the maintenance man or because it's the custodian that there's some person that's off to the side, but they are usually an integral part of your staff and your building. If you want anything done, the two people that are the most important, custodian and the secretary. <laughs> so, so if you want anything done, you need to be nice to them because they are, they are the, 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 the gatekeeper between you getting toilet paper. <laughs> and that's important. And that's important. So, you know, it just shows the importance of those people in the building and how they're an integral part of the educational system. Mm -hmm. Now, we had mentioned a little bit about Jacob, which is played by Chris Fetty. Um, tell us your thoughts on that character. Um, you always have one in your school that is that is like a Jacob who he he has consciously decided to work in an urban school district. He's consciously decided that this is the, the group of kids or this is the experience that he wants to have. And with that comes uh, sometimes an overzealousness and, and overstepping boundaries just because you don't know. Um, but the thing about him is, is he's, he, he doesn't mind making the mistakes and he doesn't mind learning from his mistakes as he goes along because they're quick to put him in his place and tell him, no, <laughs> Jacob, no, don't go down that road. And they slowly introduced the fact that he was a gay character because again, in schools, you school is like the world. You have all of these different people that make up a, a school environment. And I liked how they introduced it. And I liked the fact that, you know, they're showing all of these healthy um, characters and, and how they relate to each other and how they relate to the world. Mm, I agree. I, I think healthy is a good word. And I think the common thing, even though they have different approaches and even Ava character, at the end of the day, they really care about the kids. They do. They, they do. do. They do. Yeah. Well, Thelma, we are running out of time, but thank you so much for your commentary on the insights of the education Abbott. system and how it relates to Abbott Elementary and how we all love it. It's always a pleasure to have you on Thank the you. show. Thank you. And everyone, check out your local listings for Abbott Elementary on ABC. And until next week, consider yourself Blacklit.